In July 2021, Valve really surprised the whole gaming and PC enthusiast community. The company announced their own new portable gaming console, called Steam Deck. Before we dive deeper into the question, can Valve's Steam Deck truly be the future of portable gaming, let's quickly recap some facts about this console we know so far, as of the end of July 2021. Part 1. Steam Deck's Hardware You can read the detailed specs on Steam Deck's website, but just briefly. 4 cores, 8 threads, Zen 2 based CPU, RDNA 2 GPU with power up to 1.6 teraflops, and the whole APU power consumption ranging from 4 to 15 watts. So, with the battery of 40 watt hours, you can play anywhere between 2 to 6 hours. And actually, the battery of 40 watt hours is really impressive for a relatively compact device. I was genuinely very surprised because I've seen many 15-inch laptops with like 45 to 50 watt hour batteries. Latest 2021 iPad 12.9-inch has about 40 watt hour battery and that's a much bigger device. So to see such capacity in a device this small is nothing but amazing. Each console comes with 16 gigabytes of really fast LPDDR5 memory. However, one aspect about it I don't quite get. On Valve website, it is said that the memory is apparently arranged as quad 32-bit channels. However, Zen 2 CPUs don't really support quad-channel memory unless it's a higher-tier Threadripper, so I'm not sure at all what's going on here. Perhaps it just refers to the arrangement of chips on the motherboard, and the memory itself will run as dual-channel or maybe even single-channel, hopefully not. Or maybe AMD did design something very custom for Valve, and it is indeed quad-channel memory. We'll see when the first units will arrive to someone like Gamers Nexus. Basically, the insides of all three available models will be the same. The one thing that will vary is the amount of internal storage and also its type in the case of the lowest tier model, which will not get NVMe SSD and instead will have 64GB of eMMC storage, while the other SKUs will have 256 or 512GB of NVMe SSD. Technically, this console will have an upgradable NVMe slot, albeit in somewhat rare M.2 2230 form factor, and that slot presumably will even be on a base 64GB model, but Valve doesn't really recommend you tinkering with it. Most likely the slot will be somewhat hidden inside of that console, so to get there you will have to disassemble quite a bit of it, which obviously isn't ideal. Plus, of course, not all PC gamers are actually hardware enthusiasts who would even want to disassemble their newly bought console to manually upgrade the SSD capacity, then somehow reinstall SteamOS, etc. That could be quite a hassle, really. The screen is a touchscreen IPS panel with 400 nits of brightness and 1280 by 800 resolution, so it's a 16 by 10 aspect ratio, like in MacBooks, rather than more common 16 by 9. Basically, if you like the screen of the latest MacBook Air, you should enjoy Steam Deck's screen as well, because they will have very similar pixel density and brightness values. And on the highest 500GB model, you will get anti-glare screen. From what I've seen, the games that don't really support that resolution will just have a small black bar either at the bottom or both at the top and the bottom of the screen, which is no big deal really. I think they went with this resolution, perhaps to accommodate small information bar at the bottom of the screen, so that's kinda neat. Steam Deck will have Bluetooth 5, Wi-Fi AC, 45 watt charger, so you can charge your console fully in just one hour basically, 3.5mm jack with mic input, 
two trackpads, which is nice, gyroscope and USB-C port and a bunch of buttons, obviously. Overall, to say that I'm intrigued about this console is to say nothing. I'm really stoked and I can't wait to get it, actually because this could be the perfect device to finally play at least some portion of those 300 plus games that I have in my Steam library. I'm sure many of you will share the same experience. You buy some game on sale, you maybe launch it once, then things get in your way and you never quite finish it. Maybe you're a bit lazy to turn on your big and powerful desktop, maybe you're just tired of sitting uh, on chair all day, whatever it might be. I'm sure Valve knows that too, really, really well hence why they actually went to create this device. I would like to play some games when I'm in bed or on the couch, but my iPad doesn't really have anything on Steam, let's be honest. The games are not comparable, not even close. So when Steam Deck will finally be available, it's going to be a perfect console for horizontal position gaming. Okay, so here's where I stop simply praising Valve and actually resort to a bit of criticism and also discuss a few interesting things I've noticed so far about Steam Deck. So. All the Steam Deck consoles will have microSD card slot, but it's going to be UHS-1 slot, which is very unfortunate, because it is a standard from 2010 that allows read speeds of only up to 100 megabytes per second, which is a very slow compared to modern SSDs that could transfer at rates well above 1000 megabytes or even higher. UHS-1 is basically speeds from spinning hard drives, so now we're going back in time to that age again. Had the Valve opted for at least UHS-2 microSD slot, those speeds could have been tripled, reaching up to 300 megabytes and getting into kinda touching distance of modern SATA SSDs that usually have read speeds of about 450 to 500 megabytes per second. And I'm not even talking about the write speeds, which are notoriously abysmal on microSD, with common rates of about 50 megabytes per second. And even the fastest UHS-1 microSD cards will only give you about 90 megabytes write and 95 megabytes per second read speeds. Just a quick calculation for you. If you want to install Red Dead Redemption 2 that needs about 150 gigabytes of space, not only will you have to spend at least 45 to 50 dollars for 256 gigabyte microSD card, but it will take you, in the very best scenario, about 30 minutes to install one game. And in the cases of slower microSD cards, it will be anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour to install just one modern AAA game. All while you could have reduced that time down to just 10 minutes had Valve made one very easy switch and gone with the faster UHS-2 microSD card reader. I get that they are targeting certain price point and whatnot, but that card reader can't possibly cost that much to justify going for a slower version in 2021. Also, I'm going to talk about it more in depth later, but I honestly think they could have and probably should have separated the different models more, exactly with like faster microSD card slot. So if they needed to make one model at $400, okay, do that. Create it as cheaply as you can, sacrifice on some aspects. I get it, but then make higher tier models better. Speaking about cheap models, their 64GB model will use eMMC storage instead of NVMe SSD. So, how much slower will it be? Well, compared to the proper fast SSDs, it will be quite a lot slower. However, compared to the aforementioned microSD card speeds, probably this will be quicker. Assuming Valve went with um, Samsung for their eMMC vendor, and assuming they went with a faster eMMC 5.1 interface, 
we could expect speeds of about 330 megabytes per second for read and 200 megabytes for write, which is actually similar to those speeds of UHS-2 microSD card that Valve apparently isn't using. That's strange. Also, I get that you won't be installing games too often. However, once again, with the file sizes of modern games, you would either have to buy a spacious microSD card or two, or actually you will have to install and uninstall some games from time to time. And that waiting time will be annoying. Here's one downside of Valve Steam Deck compared to, let's say, Nintendo Switch. Because the games on Switch have been heavily optimized by the developers. So their sizes are usually significantly smaller. For example, Doom from 2017 is 55 gigs on Steam and just 22 on Switch. Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is 35 gigabytes versus 14.5, etc, etc. So on average, it looks like Switch games take about 2.5 times less space on your SSD or microSD card, which is quite significant. On the other hand, the giant benefit of Steam Deck is of course the fact that it is essentially just kinda low-powered PC with a screen and controllers built in. So developers basically don't need to do anything for their games to be available and run on this device. One caveat here is that Steam Deck will be running under Valve's own operating system, Steam OS, based on Arch Linux with KDE Plasma as a desktop environment. So the games that don't support Linux natively will have to run through Valve's Proton Translator. And based on the things I've seen online, although its performance is actually very commendable, in some cases it's not really on par with the native Windows titles. Which might not be a big deal on a powerful desktop, but I think can be rather challenging on an already pretty limited device. Only time will tell, of course, how well the games will run, but I just want to mention here one aspect about Valve and their frame rate and resolution target, because a lot of people online are making quite bold assumptions already and starting to overhype this device. Valve is targeting 800p 30 frames per second gaming. For the sake of familiarity, we can say 720p 30. So 30 frames per second, not 60. I'm not sure what kind of level of details we're talking about here, because one could argue that it's better to play at like medium or low settings at 60 frames per second than ultra and 30 frames. But I couldn't quite catch that little detail in the interviews the Valve team has done so far. Some people already made quasi-comparisons of how well Steam Deck might run certain games by basically limiting their existing CPUs and GPUs to the rough performance numbers of Steam Deck, and found that the console from Valve will probably be capable of running quite a lot of games at about 50-60 FPS with medium settings at 720p. And while some more demanding titles will have to be brought down to low slash medium or just be enjoyed at FPS lower than 50, I think this is really promising so far. One thing, however, those people didn't really account for is the fact that those 16 gigabytes of memory that Steam Deck will have will have to be shared between the system, processor, and GPU. So in fact, when people did make some tests on their PCs and use 16 gigabytes of RAM, then another 4 to 8 gigabytes in GPU, and simply limited uh, the clock speeds of both, that wasn't totally fair comparison, I think. Because my guess is that Steam Deck will most likely try to use about 4 gigabytes of that memory for GPU, probably about 8 as RAM, and another 4 will be reserved for a system memory to run operating system itself. 
I might be wrong, of course, and maybe OS will be lightweight enough to fit into like two gigabytes of RAM or even less. And also that memory allocation will adjust on the fly. But that's just a hunch I have about how those numbers would be roughly distributed. Overall, I suggest you to lower your expectations of this console's performance. Expect it to play 720p, 30 frames per second, maybe at like medium settings. And don't overhype this thing. Otherwise, you might come out of this whole experience quite disappointed. Part 2. More hardware details and some quirks. Now let's dive deeper into the details of Steam Deck. Let's talk more about the hardware of this device. Valve mentioned that it will support USB-C. However, they never quite cleared what kind of USB-C will it be. Is it USB 4, which is basically Thunderbolt 3 with really high speeds of up to 40 gigabits per second? Or is it USB 3? On their tech page, it says that this USB-C has DisplayPort 1.4 alt mode support up to 8K 60Hz or 4K 120 and USB 3.2 Gen 2 support. But thanks to the completely brain-dead USB forum, even that isn't specific at all, because there are, get that, two different possibilities of what Gen 2 could mean. It can run either at 10 gigabits per second or at 20, which is quite a big difference. So which one is it? Who knows? At this point, it is absolutely clear, at least to me, that Valve should have done what Apple did and just used USB 4, which combines the best of all worlds, really. But I'm not sure if they actually went this route. And I would be somewhat disappointed if they didn't, especially because it is 2021 and they will ship most of their consoles in 2022. So USB 4 is a must at that point, in my opinion. If anything, to avoid all the unnecessary confusion while providing the most to the users in terms of speed and ease of use. Mind you, Apple released their first USB 4 laptops in November of 2020. So they must have been in development like at least a year before. So they had a foresight back in 2019 to already use USB 4. Literally the same year that standard was even developed and announced. And I really, really hope Valve engineers also had the same realization. But somehow I am worried that they didn't. Because from what I can tell, USB 4 required support of DisplayPort 2.0 alternative mode. Yet Steam Deck only supports 1.4, which is kind of a giveaway that Valve's engineers didn't really think things through enough and didn't decide to clear and eliminate users' confusion by going with simply used before. I mean, I consider myself to be quite a tech-savvy guy, yet even I am constantly perplexed and frustrated when it comes to the total mess that USB consortium has made out of USB-free standard. It is just preposterous. Another thing that I'm slightly on the fence about now after researching it a bit more is NVMe SSD that Valve chose to use in their console. It has a very rare M.2 202030 form factor, meaning it is 22mm wide and 30mm tall, while way more common type that you will find in modern desktop PCs is 2280 or 80mm tall. Obviously, it's a big difference in size, but even if Valve would have gone with 2242, it would have opened up more opportunities for people to upgrade their systems in the future. Because not only 2230 SSDs are rare, but their max capacity, at least at the moment, is 1TB, 
while even 2242 form factor would have allowed for a potential 2TB SSD upgrade. Perhaps because 2230 SSDs are physically constrained by the amount of space they have for memory chips. I mean, Newegg, one of the biggest websites selling PC components, doesn't even have a separate section for 2230 type SSDs. That should tell you all you need to know about its popularity. No wonder, then, it costs quite a bit with Valve to upgrade your storage. I know, by the way, that Valve doesn't really want you to upgrade your storage. And here's where my another issue lies with Valve and their talks that they want you to see this console more like a PC. Well, if we should treat it more like a PC, why wouldn't you, Valve? I'm kind of a bit underwhelmed by the Valve's decision not to provide easy access to the SSD. It's not like they went Sony PS5 route and provided an expandable slot for your SSD that's just hidden under one easily removable cover. Although actually I've just learned that apparently that SSD slot on Sony's console is still not available for people to use. Which is rather ridiculous, considering how long PS5 has been selling at this point already. But Sony is a topic for whole another discussion. All I'm saying is that if Valve wants to be championing that motto, oh, we're like PC, they should probably do a little bit of a better job, because on a true PC, you can upgrade everything really if you want to. Another thing that I'm not really happy about is the position of 3.5mm headphone jack on the Steam Deck, which is located at the top edge of the device. Imagine if you are wearing the headphones that are connected to the top of the device like it is now. One of the two things will happen. Either your cable will be dangling over the screen, which is annoying, or the cable will be bent and had to go under the console, not only effectively reducing the length of the cable, but also introducing unnecessary stress and wear at the connection point. And now, if we consider that the most popular headphones out there are Apple's EarPods, or something similar from other phone manufacturers, which have rather short cables, it means that with 3.5mm jack on top, it could be quite uncomfortable to use the headphones. There is a reason why PlayStation and Xbox have 3.5mm jacks at the bottom of their controllers, because it is a really convenient and logical place. I've even sent an email to Gabe Newell with this message basically, although I'm sure he will not read or act on it, but I definitely wanted to mention it here because I haven't seen any wired headphones in Valve's promotional materials. And if you would, I bet it would look really weird with the 3.5mm cable coming from the top. Nintendo has one in their materials, and it looks not that great really. I kinda see why Valve might have gone with that top 3.5mm jack placement, because they might expect people to just put their consoles on a desk and like connect mouse or something, and then if you had the jack at the bottom, it would have been pretty much impossible to stand the console upright. However, I kind of feel like Valve just went and kind of mostly copied the design of Nintendo Switch, to be honest, which isn't necessarily the bad thing, just to clarify, because Switch is a very popular handheld console. However, first of all, I don't get why would you want to connect anything really to the Steam Deck and put that tiny 7-inch screen further away from you. Second, they don't really have that folding stand that Nintendo has at the back of the Switch. So in Nintendo's case, I get why they placed jack on 3.5mm jack at the top, exactly because they have a built-in stand, adjustable built-in stand, and also because you can disconnect the Joy-Cons to play with your friends. It all makes sense in case of Switch. But with Steam Deck, not so much really. Besides, you still could have placed the port at the bottom by making some indentation in the console. 
I guess Steam Deck will be able to stand upright even without built-in adjustable stand switch style just because of the shape of the grips it has. But even if it can stand, it could just as easily fall down again because there would be no angle to it. It's just straight up at the best. So overall, don't know. These are just some of my thoughts. I really enjoyed that when I was playing some PS4 games, I was able to connect headphones directly to the controller and the cable was in the correct position and it was just overall a really good experience. I'm pretty sure they will not change anything for their version 1 of Steam Deck, so the only thing I can hope is that when they eventually update the console, fingers crossed, with newer hardware, they will actually address um, these issues I have mentioned here. Probably in convenient position of 3.5mm headphone jack, slow microSD card slot, and most likely USB-C that's not a USB 4 port. So far, these are the three issues I see that will most likely impact in one way or another on the usability of this portable console. And this is obviously without talking about ergonomics, which I need to test myself before judging it. At a first glance, I was rather perplexed by the position of the buttons, um, especially ABXY cluster that are stacked like really close to the right edge of the device. But now... The more I think about it, the more I come to the conclusion that it won't be a problem. I personally really like Xbox controllers. I'm even still using old Xbox 360 wireless controller for my PC. And I really love its shape that basically mimics the shape hands naturally take when they rest. So when you hug the controller with its angled rounded top parts and widened bottoms in that kind of AA or like reverse W shape, if you get what I mean, it feels really good and natural, better than PlayStation controllers, actually, at least for me. That shape means it's absolutely perfect for thumbs to move. No stress at all with this quick and easy sort of side-swiping gestures, if you will. Your thumb doesn't need to bend or go up and down or anything like that. It's really an amazing design. However, Steam Deck controls aren't the same at all. Not least because the top part of Valve consoles, instead of trying to be more ergonomic and curved, is instead kind of just upright, and it is the bottom part that seems to curve a little more, which doesn't make too much sense to me, really. I hope they've done enough testing to ensure it is comfortable to actually use, but at the same time, I'm not sure they needed to reinvent the wheel here, cuff cuff Tesla, and change the position of the buttons and controls quite so drastically. I get that they wanted to include their touchpads, and that's really nice that they did it, but they probably could have found a little bit different layout that would have worked maybe even better. One thing I think Valve was thinking about uh, with this layout is to encourage players to use right touchpad more instead of right stick, because if you think of that configuration, it would kind of be like Xbox controllers with their right stick at a lower position and the left stick at a higher position. But once again, without trying it out myself, it's all just thought exercises. I just hope the ergonomics and the positioning of the controls and their feel and quality and all of that will not hinder the enjoyment that this device could bring. To add just a few interesting points, the top part of the joysticks have sensitive surfaces, so it knows if you're resting your thumbs on the sticks or not. And what it does is activates gyroscopes, so you could assist your aim by physically tilting your device towards your target. 
you know, the stupid move we do sometimes when we like physically turn with the controller, uh, when we're like in some racing game or aiming, just to give us that like extra little bit of precision. Well, apparently this console and its controllers can actually do that. I'm not sure how useful that will be. I need to try that. But the idea, I think, is really cool and interesting. And it works both with thumbsticks and touchpads, obviously. So that's neat. Also, the back of the console has additional sets of pedals or grip buttons, as Valve uh, calls them, akin to Xbox Elite controllers. So that's cool. You could add additional features to them. One thing that I do not think I have seen at all in any of the released materials is the Steam Deck's dock station. So I think that product only exists as prototypes at this point, which I get, like, it's not absolutely necessary product, but they did announce it. And they have some schematics on their website, so they better be hurrying up with, you know, making them as well. Also, one thing to note is that none of the Steam Decks will include that dock with any bundle at any price listed so far. And that's kind of a bit disappointing because, and this is unavoidable comparison, Nintendo Switch not only comes with two joysticks that could be disconnected from the device for some playing with a friend type of scenario, but that console actually comes with a dock at free or $350. Also, thanks to a slight mistake on Valve's part, we've actually got some numbers about the pre-orders for these consoles. And although obviously pre-orders of $5 don't mean purchases, the numbers are still extremely impressive. After just first one and a half hours, people reserved more than 110,000 of Steam Decks, with basically about 70% of them going for the highest tier model, surprisingly. So this console, if Valve can actually deliver it in a timely fashion, is absolutely destined to be a successful product, no doubt about it. I'm somewhat sure that Valve themselves didn't think this product would be received as well as it was, and that it would sell in such quantities so quickly. Because the delivery dates right now show Q2 of 2022 for most or even all of their tiers. Which means that whoever Valve is partnering with, or wherever they manufacture this device, they didn't order in advance to produce like millions of these things. Like Apple, for example, does when they start manufacturing their next iPhone. And even without announcing anything, they order like 70 million devices to be produced. Clearly, Valve didn't do it, and they heavily underestimated the hype this device would get from the gaming and PC community, which is not a bad problem to have. However, I really hope they could now scale really quickly and work with their manufacturers to ramp up the production and deliver these consoles not in Q2, Q3 2022, but at least in Q1 2022. Let's see if Valve can actually play with the big boys and solve the logistical and supply chain problems at a really big scale. Because if this device will be out only in a year from now, basically, I'm sure AMD will probably create even better GPUs, CPUs, APUs, and this console could actually be released with already outdated components. Not that it would matter too much because of the market and frame rate slash resolution that it targets, but still, since Valve is kind of emphasizing that it is a PC, in that market, people do like to get latest and greatest. So now it's really up to Valve to live up to the expectations and hype they've created. Part 3. Gaming industry and the future of portable consoles. Now let's talk about what Steam Deck could mean for the future of gaming industry as well as discuss if any other big players should too enter the portable gaming consoles market. Okay, so first of all, let's discuss Valve themselves a little bit. 
It's no secret that they've tried to dabble into hardware a few times over the past decade and were mostly unsuccessful. Their Steam Machines initiative failed, Steam controllers apparently also didn't make big enough splash for them to be continually involved in that product, and the only successful hardware device they have to date is basically Valve Index. Top of the line, quite expensive, but at the same time rather innovative VR system. Oh, there was also Steam Link that I totally forgot about, small dongle device to stream games to your TV. Actually, judging by the name alone and the fact that everything with the name Steam in it actually failed, I'm starting to get really mixed feelings about the upcoming Steam Deck console. You see, the biggest problem with Valve is their nonsensical, hippie, free-spirited bullshit type of approach to making products, developing or updating games, leading the damn company. I do not believe that you can create and most importantly continue to support and develop great products over a prolonged period of time when you have such a do-whatever-I-want approach. It's dumb. And judging by the Valve itself, this method simply does not work. You can create some shit, get tired or bored of it, and move on to the next shit, only to repeat this process dozens and dozens of times. I know that, because I myself have been doing similar thing all my life, obviously on a way smaller scale. I start a project, explore all the interesting bits, learn a lot initially, face a few challenges, it gets boring or repetitive, and I just leave it and go on to another new project. Freaking slick, of course, that at the same time those people get to work at Valve and get paid probably quite a decent salary too, unlike me. But my point is that when there is little commitment and there is no stick and only carrot, people can actually slack a lot. When there is no real deadline, no real punishment for failure, and you seemingly can do whatever you want, well, look at Valve's track record. What good and successful came out of that company in the past like 10 years? One good game and basically one good controller designed specifically for that one game? Not a pinnacle of productivity if you ask me. That's why I am somewhat pessimistic that this whole Steam Deck thing will even be here in a year or two. Or will Valve employees simply move on to another playground and will find some new toys to play with? I just want to note here, I do not want to be pessimistic because I think Valve is like one of the very few perfect candidates to actually create a successful product in this category. But maintaining, I don't know, their track record just doesn't allow me to sleep soundly at night. It's partially because I am already kind of invested into that device. I really like the concept of it. And I'd really like to play games from my existing Steam library on the go or in the bed. And I'm not really interested in investing another ton of money into buying like Nintendo Switch and all the games for it. When I already have a lot of games just sitting there waiting to be played. I just need a portable and somewhat powerful device to actually play them. And here's where I think there are some good news for the whole industry. First of all, because this time around Valve is making their own product instead of relying on external companies, mistake they've made back in the days with Steam machines, it indicates that at least for some time and at least some people at Valve are taking this particular market of portable PC gaming seriously. I think this could signal to the other companies that there are money to be made here. It's that good old thing when nobody wants to make a first step, but once one company decides to become a trailblazer, others follow too. In this case, if Valve, notoriously conservative company, who infamously rarely releases anything at all, decided to jump into this space, 
I think other companies will soon realize that there is some underserved market here, especially given that slight glimpse into the amount of pre-orders Valve received, which was, I remind you, more than 100,000 consoles in less than first two hours, which I'm sure other companies have seen and noticed too. So then, which other companies I'm really referring to? Let's first talk about the regular offenders, all your standard PC pre-built and laptop manufacturers, your Razer, Asus, Lenovo, HPs of the world. Dell's own Alienware division showcased their version of Switch slash Steam Deck back at CES in January of 2020, one and a half years later. Where is it? So even though I think all these companies could definitely try to create their own version of portable gaming console, I think their chances of success will be rather slim. Razer can have quite a decent margins on their $1,500 laptops, but I doubt they would be able to earn too much money from the devices that's supposed to sell ideally around or below like $500. Same obviously goes for the rest of those mostly or strictly hardware manufacturers. So, in my opinion, the only players who would be able to succeed in this space are drumroll the platform holders it is your good old pals microsoft with xbox sony with playstation and now potentially like amazon and epic in addition to valve obviously apple is also somewhere there but they've repeatedly showed their total and utter neglect for gaming side of things on their platforms besides casual or like some indie titles so for the sake of this discussion i think we can leave them out of it so the platform holders not only they have the monetary resources, but most importantly, they do have something they could augment their incomes with. And they can also lure people into their ecosystems. It's another good old trick that all so many companies use nowadays. Come here to us because we have something very special for you. Something you really like and enjoy. Beat Netflix with their original shows, Disney with their enormous catalog, Apple with their tight product integration, or Sony and Nintendo with their exclusive first-party games. And I honestly think that at least Sony and Microsoft should definitely jump on the wagon of portable, full-scale gaming as quickly as possible. Think about it. PS4 was already basically a PC. Same with Xbox. Now we are into the second generation of consoles and game development where everything is basically just a PC of a different performance level. Also, I believe PlayStation is already using Linux as the base for their operating system. And although they obviously have a ton of their own things written on top of it, it's already a start. Maybe now we could get revived PS Vita. And maybe this time Sony can actually make things easy on their side so the developers won't have to do too much to port their games to that portable console. If they could make your catalog of PS4 and 5 games available on new portable Vita console... It would be absolutely phenomenal. The only thing that kind of worries me about Sony is the fact that they've designed their PS5 to have really fast SSD storage. So I'm assuming the next generation of their first party AAA titles might heavily lean into that feature of PS5, thus most likely rendering those games sort of really hard to adopt to a slower storage of portable console. However, it's just a technical challenge and... Where is the demand? There will be solutions, I have no doubts, because Sony definitely has a lot of really great engineers and developers who would be able to solve most of those problems. 
Microsoft, on the other hand, didn't lean so heavily on SSDs, and even though the console still has really fast storage, I feel like the emphasis on that part of the hardware wasn't as big, thus probably they will have an easier time actually making their games available for potential Xbox Go type of device, and obviously, like with Sony and Valve, they could totally utilize their back catalog of Xbox games people have already acquired over the years and years on their platform. So all Microsoft has to do is to ensure the compatibility of those games with the new handheld console, and you've got yourself additional sales of millions and millions of dollars. Plus, of course, both Sony and Microsoft worked closely with AMD now on two generations of consoles. So there's quite a real possibility that these two behemoths could actually develop in conjunction with AMD, something even more powerful and exciting that Valve was able to. Imagine a world like that, where all the major platform holders also have their own cool portable consoles so you can enjoy all your favorite big games on the go, in addition to your home, obviously. Epic Games here is, of course, that one ugly duckling of the group, but even they think might have a chance now that they have their own store that presumably generates them some income, plus they have some interesting technologies like their game engine into which they could potentially incorporate like some interesting power saving techniques or anything else that could become beneficial in case they would uh, want to produce their own console and have certain games built on Unreal Engine perhaps be a bit better optimized and do a bit better on their own console or something like that. I don't know, I'm just spitballing here. Um, out of these three major gaming-related companies, Valve, Sony, Microsoft, and Epic, I honestly think Epic has the least chances of success, but the company is doing quite well, so... Who knows what they could do, really? Maybe they will surprise us all, exactly like Valve just did. So, what does it all mean for the industry as a whole? I personally think and hope for an exciting future, not only for PC gaming in general, but for portable PC gaming in particular. Let's be honest, although Nintendo Switch is a solid device, it could absolutely benefit from a bit of additional power. But Nintendo isn't really in a big hurry to upgrade it. Because why would they? Their core audience plays Zelda, Mario, or Pokemon, none of which really demand too much of graphical power. The console has a very attractive price range and additional features like removable Joy-Cons, dock station, etc. Plus, for the rest of the people, there are other games that developers ported over to Switch, and that library is obviously growing in size. If anything, thanks to Valve, now Nintendo might actually go back to the drawing board and create more powerful and more exciting version 2 of Switch, or a Pro model if you wish. I really hope more companies will jump on board of these handheld consoles. Even though, like I've mentioned before, I don't think Asus, HP, Razer, etc. would make too much, if any, money on such a category of devices, I would absolutely love for them to create a model or two, just so we, regular consumers, could benefit from the competition and wider selection of consoles. Plus, of course, a device from a company like Razer would probably come with like an aluminum body and sleek design and probably with a better quality than Valve's console. Also, I think it could be really interesting if something like Valve's SteamOS could become sort of standard OS for those type of handheld devices. Obviously, under the condition that it'll be made really well, really convenient, with a lot of like really nice features by default, and that it will be properly maintained and supported. Would be cool if a strong community would emerge around such OS, 
with contributors of features and tools coming not only from individual users and developers, but from big companies too. Sort of a slight pushback to the long-standing dominance uh, of Windows in gaming space. I think another competitor, in this case in the face of Linux, even if now used through Valve's Proton Translator, would be neat and might even push developers as well as hardware manufacturers to better support Linux, both with good like properly maintained drivers as well as native games. So, in conclusion, I think this absolutely unexpected announcement from Valve is the most exciting thing that's happened in the gaming industry, probably since the first like ray tracing announcement from Nvidia a few years back. Only this one could actually mean even more for the industry as a whole, because it can create a new category of products that could generate quite good sums of money not only to the hardware manufacturers, but to the platform holders too, as well as to start a new era of competition between the major gaming titans like Sony and Microsoft, only this time in a portable space. And the people who would walk out of it as winners will definitely be the regular consumers like you and I. Also, of course, with the arrival of a new product category in the gaming space, all your favorite YouTubers will also get to do more new and exciting content and testing, which is obviously great for them because they can produce more content, and great for you because people will be finally paying more attention to the market of low to medium power devices and will run tests for them accordingly instead of going only for the mostly unrealistic ultra tests that all so many of them are doing nowadays. So, overall, I'm excited about Steam Deck, even though slightly worried. But now, after the very cheerful initial public reaction, the ball is in the Valve's corner in terms of how well they would be able to actually handle the manufacturing, shipment, and most importantly, support of their Steam Deck version 1, and what's probably even more important, version 2, and so on. Will they have changed from the Valve of 2014 and their Steam Machines initiative days? Can they grow as a company and become a serious manufacturer and not a kickstart startup type of a company who sells one iteration of a product, then vanish into obscurity? Only time will tell. And as for the other hardware manufacturers and platform holders, the ball now is in your corner too. Show us that you see the potential and value here and you understand the gaming and PC enthusiast market. Show us that you can take certain risks because you want to serve the market that is clearly there. And show us that you can create and support great products in a mostly new for you category. First few big companies who would enter this new market alongside or maybe even before Valve if they would be able to create, and even more importantly price, their portable console somewhat aggressively, like I've mentioned, probably around or even better, below $500, those companies would truly enjoy some money people will throw at them, no doubt about it. Commit to this new segment of devices, make some statements about it, and then deliver and don't disappoint, and people will reward you with money. Okay, guys. Thanks a lot for those of you who stick to the end. If you've enjoyed what I had to say about Steam Deck, Valve, industry in general, if you liked this piece of content, please subscribe to the Frytech YouTube channel and help me finally reach 1K subs, as well as please subscribe to the Frytech podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you got to this bit, I just wanted to mention that I greatly appreciate you. Please share this video and podcast with others and help spread the word. Also, I would really appreciate if you could support me directly by going to frytech.club support. There will be a few links and a few perks for you to choose from. Thank you very much. Don't forget to leave your thoughts about Steam Deck and the whole portable gaming industry in the comment section 
of this video. Take care. Till the next one. Bye.